48K News. Good afternoon, it's one o'clock, I'm Todd Harding. The headlines, more chaos at the Legislative Council as rival political camps both try to hold meetings on the extradition bill. Democrat James Toe proposes three-way talks as a way out of the deadlock. And early election results in the Philippines suggest President Duterte's supporters are set to take control of the country's Senate. Pan-Democrat lawmakers have wrapped up a meeting of the Bills Committee that's looking at changes to extradition laws, following chaos this morning after the pro-establishment camp also tried to hold their own meeting in the same room. Janice Wong has details. LegCo plunged into chaos this morning as lawmakers from the pan-Democrat and pro-government camps fought for control of a bill's committee that's vetting proposed amendments to extradition laws. Some pan-Democrats queued up well ahead of their scheduled meeting at 8.15 to make sure Democrat James Toe, whom they've chosen, can chair the meeting. That was 15 minutes ahead of a meeting recognized by Beijing loyalists and the LegCo secretariat, who've said Abraham Sheck should preside over the meeting, according to guidelines issued by the House committee. Some young pro-government lawmakers escorted Mr. Sheck into the conference room just before 8.30, but he was led away minutes later after several pan-Democrats surrounded him. Later, Mr. Sheck entered the room again and announced the end of the meeting, after which the pro-government lawmakers walked out. It follows similar scenes on Saturday when the rival camps tried to stage their own meetings of the bill's committee. Democrat James Toe has called for a political reconciliation between the government, pro-government and pan-Democrat lawmakers to try and resolve the deadlock surrounding the bill's committee. Mr Toe said the three sides need to sit down together. We want a political reconciliation between the LegCo as a whole, different fractions and with the government. Why we have to be so hurried, the Taiwan Authority has openly and clearly presented a stand. There's no hurry at all. We must have political reconciliation. I hope what I've said can reach the ears of our chief executive, our government official, and those responsible for the Hong Kong affairs in the central people's government. In response to pan-Democrat calls for political reconciliation, the convener of the pro-government camp, Martin Liao, says they're open to more talks. What makes you think that we haven't spoken before? We have spoken before and we will speak again if they want to. I think the most important thing is that they will have someone who can make decisions for the pandemic. Otherwise, it's just, it's just wasting my time. Lawmaker Abraham Sheck is presiding over the meeting organised by the pro-government side. He says he'll write to the chairman of the House Committee today to seek advice on what to do next. Mr Sheck explains why he ended this morning's meeting early. We have seen repeated and repeated commotions, disturbances, trying to snatch my mics, and no way that I could carry out a meeting orderly. And in confusion and in commotion, I decided to prevent injuries and to prevent any further disruption in the LegCo, I have called off the meeting. And now what I'm going to do, I'm drafting a letter to the chairman of the House Committee, of which the power of this particular committee that I'm chairing is derived from, that asking them for a direction of what we need to do in the future. The pan-Democrats convener, Claudia Moe, says they're ready to discuss with their rivals a way out of the deadlock, but won't agree to seeking further guidance from the House committee, as that could result in bypassing the bills committee altogether. Ms Moe says pro-democracy lawmakers plan to march to the chief executive's office today to demand a meeting with Carrie Lam. Mrs Lam has previously said she won't meet the pan-Democrats if all they want to do is force her to scrap the bill. Ms Moe says Mrs Lam should change her mind. The Democrats' demand actually 
does enjoy a lot of support amongst Hong Kong people. But then, if she couldn't get out of this psychological block, we wouldn't mind if she would just suspend, say, not scrap, but suspend this particular bill to provide more room for our discussion. Meanwhile, Carrie Lam says she needs more time to study what exactly are the demands of the pro-democracy camp after they propose talks with the government and pro-establishment lawmakers on the controversial fugitive laws. Speaking before the weekly Exco meeting, Mrs Lam said again that it was regrettable that the extradition bills committee still hadn't achieved much six weeks after the bill was tabled. Letco President Andrew Lung urged lawmakers from both sides to sit down and talk their way out. I appeal to both sides. They need to sit down and work out a way out for this impasse. So if needed to be more, I'm happy to do so. But I think to do so, I have to maintain the neutrality of the president of Legco as well. And a massive banner opposing the changes to extradition laws has been strung up on the hills of Kowloon Peak, the second such incident in three days. The yellow banner is around 20 metres long. No group has claimed responsibility. Police say they received a call last night about the banner and firemen were sent early this morning to remove it. On Sunday, the League of Social Democrats put up two similar banners on two separate hills. To other news, Hong Kong's top court has heard that the trial judge in the former chief executive Donald Chung's case failed to correctly direct jurors before they convicted him for misconduct in public office two years ago. Damon Pang reports. Donald Chung was originally given a 20-month jail sentence, later reduced to 12 months by the Court of Appeal for his failure to disclose to the Executive Council a property deal he had with businessman Bill Wong between 2010 and 2012. At the time, Exco was considering whether to grant Mr Wong's company a digital radio licence. Mr Zhang's lawyer, Claire Montgomery QC, told the Court of Final Appeal that for Mr Zhang to be found guilty, he was not only required to have deliberately concealed the deal, but the jury also needed to confirm that he had done so knowing it was wrong, serious and unlawful. But Ms Montgomery said the judge in the original trial did not ask jurors to consider these. The hearing is expected to last for a day. Turning overseas, early election results in the Philippines suggest President Duterte's supporters are set to take control of the country's Senate. The BBC's Howard Johnson reports from Manila. Early unofficial results being reported in the Philippine media show that President Duterte's party list candidates are set to control the country's 24-seat Senate. The Liberal opposition looked very unlikely to secure any of the 12 seats that were up for grabs. The results could pave the way for Mr. Duterte to push through controversial laws like reinstating the death penalty and lowering the age of criminal liability. Among the potential victors is Ronald De La Rosa, the former police chief who oversaw the first wave of the president's bloody war on drugs under which thousands of drug suspects were killed. The Venezuelan authorities say a Chinese cargo plane has landed in Caracas with 71 tons of medicines and hospital equipment. The health minister said the aid would help ease the human impact of sanctions imposed by the United States. Here's the BBC's Leonardo Rocha. The delivery of humanitarian aid has become a central feature in the political battle between President Nicolás Maduro, who's backed by Russia and China, and the opposition led by Juan Guaidó. It all started in January when Mr. Guaidó declared himself legitimate president of Venezuela. In February, he launched a major effort to deliver supplies to Venezuelans from outposts in Colombia and Brazil. The operation was blocked by the armed forces loyal to Mr. Maduro. Two months ago, Russia 
sent a huge consignment of medicines to Venezuela, and now it was China's turn. Facebook has confirmed that a serious vulnerability in its WhatsApp messaging service allowed attackers to install spyware on the phones of users. Researchers say the software has been used to target human rights lawyers. From San Francisco, the BBC's Dave Lee. The flaw was discovered by WhatsApp's own security team around 10 days ago. It then set out informing human rights organisations, security experts and law enforcement. On Friday, a fix for the issue was pushed out to the company's servers and it now urges all of its 1.5 billion users to update their app as an added precaution. The vulnerability was serious. Attackers could call a target's phone using WhatsApp's voice function. Even if the call was not picked up, malicious software would be installed. Programs that could surveil the target using the device's microphone and camera. The US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has encountered further EU resistance to Donald Trump's abandonment of the Iran nuclear deal. In an unscheduled stopover in Brussels on his way to Russia, Mr Pompeo held talks with his counterparts from Britain, France and Germany. The EU's foreign policy chief Federica Mogherini said the EU remained intent on implementing the deal to stop Iran weaponizing its nuclear program. On the European Union side, there's full determination to do all we can uh, to implement at full our part of the nuclear agreement as long as Iran remains compliant with their part, which is the nuclear commitments they've taken. And that, I insist, so far, the IEA has certified they have complied with. A new study has found that women who give birth with the aid of forceps or vacuums have a lower risk of infection if they're given antibiotics. Every year, about three million babies are born under what's known as assisted childbirth. Here's the BBC's Katie Silver. About a fifth of mothers get infections as a result of having an assisted birth, that is, giving birth using forceps or a vacuum. Now, a study out of the University of Oxford of 3,000 British women has found the risk of infections can be halved if these women receive an antibiotic within six hours of delivery. It also reduces the overall cost as the women treated had fewer visits to the GP or hospital afterwards. To finance news, stocks are down after China announced its latest retaliation in the trade war with the United States. A short while ago, the Hang Seng Index was down at 28,105. That's 450 points down on the previous close, and turnover stands at $71 billion. The Nikkei opened down over 1.8% following a fall on Wall Street overnight. China said it would increase tariffs on $60 billion worth of U.S. goods from next month. President Trump said he expected to discuss the trade dispute with President Xi Jinping at next month's G20 summit in Japan, but insisted the outlook for the United States was positive. I love the position we're in. There can be some retaliation, but it can't be very, very substantial by comparison. So the bottom line is uh, we are taking in tremendous amounts of money. It's in the form of tariffs or taxes. So we're in a very good position, and I think it's only going to get better. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109.57 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 12 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 17 cents. And now with the sports news, here's Atom Chung.
The NBA's Los Angeles Lakers have opened a new chapter by naming Frank Vogel as their new head coach. The 45-year-old has reportedly signed on for three years, replacing Luke Walton, who was let go last month after the team missed the playoffs for the sixth consecutive season. Vogel did not coach last season following two years with the Orlando Magic. He's best known for having led the Indiana Pacers to back-to-back Eastern Conference final appearances in 2013. 13 and 14. Jason Kidd is tipped to be the assistant, though there's no official announcement as yet. Now, the Golden State Warriors say Kevin Durant will miss tomorrow's Western Conference final opener against the Portland Trailblazers, but many observers of the game believe the 10-time All-Star will be out for an extended period. Durant suffered a calf injury during Golden State's Game 5 victory over Houston in the second round. Our U.S. sports commentator Ray Jovanovic says the Warriors have options despite Durant's absence. I think Kevin Durant won't play in the Western Conference Finals, which really makes this series far more interesting given the fact that you're going to have to rely on the wisdom of Steve Kerr. He's a magical coach, and you've got that original big three core, plus plus Andre Iguodala. Remember, he was the MVP of the Finals a couple of years ago. That Warriors team is still going to be very difficult to beat. But for me, the Eastern Conference Finals is the NBA Finals. The two best teams during the regular season squaring off. No team is deeper than the Milwaukee. Bucks and the Raptors are going to have to dig really, really deep to beat them. It's going to be a great series. Could go seven. I hope so. The NHL's Western Conference Final is tied at one after the St. Louis Blues took Game Two against the San Jose Sharks in their best-of-seven playoff series. Goals from their defensemen Vince Dunn and Robert Bortuzzo gave the Blues a 4-2 win on the road. Logan Couture scored twice for the Sharks in defeat. St. Louis will host Game Three Thursday morning Hong Kong time. Game Three of the East Final takes place tomorrow with the Carolina Hurricanes at home looking to claw. Back from a two-nothing series deficit against the Boston Bruins, and in baseball, Shohei Ohtani has hit his first home run of the season for the Los Angeles Angels, a towering two-run shot in a five-four victory over the Twins in Minnesota. The Japanese two-way star, who only started this season last week after returning from elbow surgery, reached base on four of his five plate appearances. Otani hit 22 homers last season and went on to win the American League Rookie of the Year. The Angels improved to five and two on their current road trip. The Twins, with 25 wins, had entered the evening with the best record in baseball, but that title now belongs to the Houston Astros, who thumped the Detroit Tigers 8-1 for their sixth consecutive win. And as you look at sports. Thanks, Adam. And to end the news, the top stories once again: more chaos at the Legislative Council as rival political camps both try to hold meetings on the extradition bill, and early re- election results in the Philippines suggest President Duterte's supporters are set to take control of the country's Senate. The news from RTHK.
Coast. I-